Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Continuing in our study of the book of Philippians this morning, and I want to ask you if you would do me a favor and think of a time in which possibly you uh, might have uh, been a young person or maybe someone uh, a little bit older uh, uh, and you were the type to to go and, and enjoy stuff on the weekend or maybe you were uh, uh, sparking a, a young fella or young lady in your life and and you desired to spend some time with them. So you went to a, a movie theater and went to a movie. I, I remember my brother and I, uh, when my brother was uh, in his, he was 16, 17 years old. He was in high school and and I was four years behind him, so we, uh, he, mom and dad had to tie a pork chop around my neck to get him to pay any attention to me at all. And, and mom and dad always said uh, to my brother, do some stuff with your brother. You're going to be gone here in a while, and you're going to miss uh, being around your brother. And I, uh, so uh, every once in a while, my brother would, uh, would say, uh, at the last minute, let's go do something. Let's go see a movie or something. And I, we'd look in the, back then, you know, you'd look in the newspaper to see what was playing at the theater, and you'd look to see where different movies were playing at different places, and you'd kind of calculate how long it took. And without a doubt, we would always uh, think of doing this at the last moment. And so it was like we were Batman and Robin jumping into his car and zooming off so that we could try and get to the theater in time to catch the beginning of the movie. And uh, a lot of times we calculated it down to the second where we didn't have to sit there and watch 20 minutes of previews of the other movies. And we were walking in right at the very beginning of the movie, but there was nothing worse than walking in and having missed something important or some crucial matter that was uh, was shown in the very first few minutes of the movie, and it it, it ruined the movie to to have to uh, to get to the theater and not have seen that important part that that the rest of the movie hinged on, or you know. Uh, 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 if you've ever uh, been like me, sometimes we used to leave the TV on just for noise in the background, and we uh, while we were waiting on each other, we'd sit and uh, 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 flip the channels and see something, uh, see if we can find something to watch. And and uh, you come you come upon a, a, a show, a movie, or, or uh, some kind of uh, show that you're interested in and you come in and you know you're interested in it because it grasps your attention but you either get there too late to see the very beginning of it or you have to leave and can't see the rest of it. You know, I understand those are all uh, issues that all of us dealt with 
20 years ago, but nowadays you can watch things on demand all the time and you watch things on the internet and all that kind of stuff. But those of us that still remember the days where you watched broadcast TV, you remember uh, uh, finding something on TV and you can't watch the whole thing or, or you ha- and you have to leave all of a sudden or you get there too late and it's already halfway over. Well, uh, uh it matters a lot to be able to get the rest of the story, to get the whole story. And uh, I, I remember um, uh, years ago, uh, the uh, uh, famous broadcaster that would uh, tell a story about something happening in somebody's life, and then all of a sudden uh, he'd come back after the commercial and he'd say, now for the rest of the story. Uh, we, we tend to, uh, to miss out on a lot of the stories sometimes. And, and today we're looking at uh, the rest of the story with uh, the book of Philippians. To understand the significance of the story here, we need to be reminded of a few things in our study of the book of Philippians. Now, the book of Philippians is all about one thing. Remember? Joy. The book of Philippians is about uh, finding joy in your life, having joy in your life, being a, a Christian that is... Uh, that is filled with the joy of God, and uh, but, but we have to remind ourselves also that we're we're reading this secondhand. We're reading this not as the first recipients of this letter, but as uh, uh, subsequent uh, readers of this letter. Paul's writing this to a specific church that has specific needs. And that's the important thing to remember. Let's look at chapter 2 of Philippians. And we're going to focus on 5 through 11 uh, today. But uh, it's important for us to understand the context. He says in verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, if uh, any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind uh, let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others and so this is the desire that, that uh, the Spirit of God has placed upon Paul to reach out to these people in uh, Philippi, this church of believers. Uh, they're going through a difficult uh, uh, situation and Paul is writing to try and, and uh, help them with the problems that they're facing. And one of the problems that they were facing is they felt that they were too good to help other people out. They felt as though that uh, they were in a situation where uh, they didn't need to help others. And, and as I think about the fact that, that Paul is writing this to this church about having a unity and a cohesion, about coming together, I see more and more about the fact that it's not just simply about helping other people, it's helping each other. 
And the attitude that the church at Philippi was lacking is, a, is an attitude that a lot of times we see lacking in the church today. Uh, we see people as individuals coming together at, uh, to a church and they're struggling uh, with their, just the, the, the mere act of being a child of God, of being a Christian, and they're struggling with trying to, to be able to help uh, to work towards being more like Christ and being more uh, righteous and godly uh, in a world that is, is plagued with all sorts of problems and all sorts of things that are drawing people away. Uh, we find that, that a majority of Christians today are, are more concerned about what they can get out of coming to church, what the church can do for them, what uh, the church is able to uh, help them to accomplish in their own life without ever thinking about the fact that that the whole purpose and the whole reason for the unity of the body of the believers is to come together to help other people. It's to come together and, and through humility, through a desire to be obedient to God, through a desire to, to live for Jesus Christ, that we go out in our weakness and serve others so that in their time of weakness, we can be strong together. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He said, he's saying here, I, I want you to come together in love. I want you to be filled with joy. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded and common. And he says, how do you... And so the rest of the story is, is how do you accomplish that? He answers that in our key verses today. Verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death uh, of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and er, uh, uh, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so this pack, uh, particular passage of Scripture, I don't know about you, but this is one of the... Uh, this passage of Scripture jumps off the page at me because it's this passage of Scripture that, that I remember uh, memorizing as a young adult. Uh, I remember... Uh, we were talking uh, earlier uh, during Sunday school about the fact that uh, we, uh, how do we allow the Scripture, how do we allow God's Word to influence our life? And I was talking about how uh, at a young age, I remember uh, being in programs in church where we memorized Scripture and we memorized uh, different passages of Scripture. And, we, uh, and this is one of those verses that I can recall from my youth being one of those verses that, that we were... Uh, go over and over and over in our life and and it was all about the uh, the admonition and the glorifying of Jesus Christ because it says you know uh, uh, it has this uh, this uh, this mandate let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus let this uh, let this be a part of your mentality of being like Christ 
And it seems as though we kind of just uh, cut it off right there. We forget about... Uh, uh, and we and we look at this, the rest of the scripture here, and we and we see all of these wonderful uh, uh, platitudes about Jesus uh, of living his life. But we send we tend to try and separate those two scriptures when they all belong together, and they all are a part of of this whole section of scripture, and and we tend to forget why particular scripture is there and what it's trying to say it 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 it's really nice to say uh, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus you know be like have a mind like Christ have a mind of Christ that's a that's a good passage of scripture and uh and it 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 means a lot to a lot of people but if you don't marry it with the rest of the scripture, you don't understand. Okay, how do I do that? How's what is the per? Uh, what uh, if you don't consider the scripture before it, you don't understand why it's important to do that. Paul is saying it's important to to have a mind likened to Christ if you're going to have the unity and the love that is necessary in the body of Christ, if you're going to be able to go out and to help other people, if you're going to be effective as a church, if you're going to be a, a church that does more than just simply uh, hold services, which it seems more and more that that's what churches feel like their whole purpose is, is okay, well, we had church on Sunday, then we fulfilled our duty as resp- and responsibility as a church. No! That's just, uh, I liken it to, uh, uh, some of you might be uh, NASCAR fans or Formula One race car fans or whatever. I, 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 uh, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not really big into all that, but I do know one thing. They go a long way. <laughs> they drive around in a circle a long way. Uh, some of them are 500 miles, some of them are 600 miles, some of them are, are other distances. They, they drive a long way. And you don't drive the whole time on one... Uh, to me, a better way of... Uh, instead of it being on speed, I think it would be a better race to see how far each of them could go on one tank of gas. Let's, let's go around and round and round and see how far they can go on one tank of gas. But no, they, they fill up on gas. They, they, they change out the tires. They work on the engine. Uh, my goodness, they even change out drivers from time to time. I, I'm thinking... Well, what's the sense in all that? I mean, it, 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 you're, it, you could have a totally different uh, 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 driver and all of that and still win the race. But, uh, but anyway, uh, they go round and round and round and round and round. And, and my whole question was, uh, uh, the race isn't just about uh, stopping in the pit stop, is it? It's an important part. You can't finish the race. I mean, you can't win a race if you can't finish the race, right? You, you can't go round and round and round and round, and if you run out of gas while you're going round and round and round and you, and you don't uh, have enough to go, to go around uh, the right number of times, then you hadn't won the race. 
And I, I liken church to the pit stop of life. We are coming together here to refresh ourselves, to get filled up on the Spirit of God, to, uh, to, uh, uh, to find new methods and, and, and programs that help us to go out and to share the Word of God. But the, the, true, the, true, uh, the true race is out there. It's not in here. The true race is not in the pit. The pit stop's important uh, in the race, but the race is when you're driving around the track. And the the time that we spend here in worship of God and the time that we spend here coming together, building each other up and helping each other to learn and, and to grow in Christ is so important, but it's to help us to go out into the world and, and apply all those things that God has, has uh, shown us and demonstrated us and, and, and revealed to us. It's not what we do in here that's the whole thing. It's what we do out there. And... What Paul is trying to help this church at Philippi to understand is, is that we can't simply just uh, get content with the things that we learn, the things that we're doing here in church, the time that we're spending here. Uh, we can't. Uh, church is not about uh, uh, all about helping me, helping you, and you helping uh, another member in the church. Uh, uh, our Christian walk is about what we can accomplish together to serve God and how we can go out and spread the, the message of Christ in our world. If all we do is share... Uh, I, I also uh, think it, uh, not only is church a lot like a, a race um, or you know football or basketball or any other sport, you don't, you don't spend your... Uh, you know, uh, football game is not one sitting on the bench, is it? It's when you get in the game. Right? You have to be in the game and, and you have to, it's what you do in the game that counts. We can't, you can't win the game just sitting on the bench. Uh, uh, talk to a lot of freshmen that never get a chance to go out uh, into the game and you'll find out quick the actions where to, in the game, not on the bench. And we have a lot of church folks that think that the, the action of the game is here on the bench. But the game is really one out there where we're serving God. And uh, church is, is, is uh, a, a, an important part to our Christian life. And Paul was trying to help these believers to understand that it's important for us to come together, but we can't get to the point where we don't feel as though uh, that we need to help other people. We don't need to sit here and, and just tend to me and tend to you and, and all of that. We can get that accomplished in uh, Rotary or Civitan or Kiwanis or any number of other organizations that do wonderful and outstanding work, but they're not brought together so much uh, for love of Jesus Christ and a desire to serve Him and to propel, uh, propel the message of the gospel message like we are in the church. They're about helping people with blindness or helping people that are, uh, that are handicapped or, or helping people that, are, uh, that need to be vaccinated for diseases. We're here to make sure that people hear the gospel message, that we're here coming together, not just to meet and to have a good time uh, of singing some songs and hearing some motivational speaking, then going out. But it's, it's all about going out to serve, going out to minister. And Paul said, Look, make my joy complete by coming together and being in, uh, united together in, in comfort and love 
If there's any fellowship, if there's any uh, uh, value to being a part of the family of God, it is in service to others. Don't make things about yourself. Make it about others. He says by, you do that by having a mind like unto Christ. Well, what kind of mind did Christ have? He says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was humble. Jesus Christ was humble and, and he's saying he's saying, folks, you need to understand as Christians we need to first humble ourselves before God and realize that uh, that we're not too good to serve uh, uh, in any capacity that God calls us to. Look, you might have been a Sunday school teacher for 20 years, but maybe God is calling you away from uh, doing that to to uh, making punch and, and serving cookies to, uh, to two-year-olds and three-year-olds. And all of a sudden, you're teaching uh, little peewees instead of the adult class. You're teaching a little uh, tiny... Cri- uh, I remember uh, when I started in, in church life, uh, they called them creepers. You remember that? You remember it wasn't, it wasn't uh, all these terms that we use today. There was the creepers and the toddlers and all that. Well, you know, we named them for what they did. They creep on the floor. Lord. They were toddling about, not able to walk around very good. And but you know, we think you know, oh, that doesn't matter to, to minister to those. Uh, they don't remember all that stuff. Oh yeah, they do. Believe, believe me, they understand a lot, and they learn. And those are the foundations of Christian life that lead uh, that help those children to learn uh, the gospel and help them to understand the love of God and help them to come to a place where they hear the calling of Jesus Christ in their life. We can't feel so important. How and mighty that we're not willing uh, to allow some uh, stranger's baby slobber all over us or, or throw up their, uh, their baby bottle on us if it means that we're able to share the message to, a, uh, to a, a single mom or to a young family that's hurting and needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. We've got to humble ourselves. It says here that Jesus did not think Himself equal with God that he wasn't willing to humble himself. He says, uh, uh, who who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. The creator God. God who understands the power. God who is able to speak into existence the the cosmos, who's able to say, let there be light in the midst of darkness. And there was light. Humbled Himself into the form of mankind. Not only showing humility, but obedience God the Son showing obedience to God the Father when He said to go and to, and to be born of a virgin. Allowed Himself to be made into that which was perfection. Allowing Himself to be made in the form of imperfection. 
we have a world and a society that always promotes perfection. And the images of what it means to be a man and a woman and advertisements for cosmetics and advertisements for clothing and advertisements for automobiles, for everything. And our world is so focused on perfection. And here God, here is God the Son who was perfection and is perfection, allowed Himself to be made in the form of imperfection, of humanity, so that He would be able to relate and associate to mankind obedience and self-sacrifice allowed Himself to be formed in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He allowed Himself to be made in the form of man, not to just simply come down here and check out how things were going. He knew. God knows and and is aware of all things that are happening. He didn't come down here just to, in some sort of, of parlor trick to say, okay, here I am. Here I am. And, and there's a lot of people that want to say, well, God came in the form of, uh, of man so that, uh, that He would be able to relate to man and know what uh, man goes through, the, the temptation and all of that. Those are all great platitudes, but it's wrong. God knows all those things. He knew the plight of man. He knows and understands the, the, the draw and the, the urge of, of mankind to live as He does. It's ignorance to assume that God in His holy uh, righteousness doesn't understand temptation and understand the, the urge, the pull of sin. He came in the form of man not just to show that He is able to do all those things, but from the very beginning, it was self-sacrifice with the purpose of going to the cross, of living a life so that He might be the sacrifice. From the very beginning, God demanded of mankind a payment for sin. In the garden with Adam and Eve when they were in the midst of their sin and God was coming to them to allow them to, to confess their sin and in their denial, God sacrificed the blood of an animal to provide the clothing for mankind and, and to show that, that sin had to be covered with, with the shedding of blood. And from the very beginning of God's relationship with mankind uh, throughout history, it has been not the sacrifice of things that, uh, that are in our life that we deem valuable, but, but what God dictates and God declares is valuable. The shedding of blood. Cain and Abel didn't get along because and Cain killed Abel because his sacrifice of crops and farm produce on the altar was not what God desired, but it was the shedding of blood of Abel 
showing that the blood had to be spilt for our sins on the altar. That was accepted. That jealousy drove him to kill his brother. From the very beginning, God demanded a payment for our sins. It had to be the shedding of blood. And Jesus Christ uh, demonstrated self-sacrifice and the denial of self. He humbled Himself even to the point of death, even death on the cross. And Jesus gave of Himself for us. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, giving Him a name which is above every name. Why? Because He gave of Himself. He sacrificed of Himself. He allowed Himself to be put on the altar so that we might be forgiven once and for all. On the cross of Calvary, that sacrifice was made for us. The shedding of the blood. And... The Holy Spirit is not pointing out to us merely that these are wonderful things and attributes of Jesus Christ, but rather we're to have these attributes in our life. He says, remember in verse 5, He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Jesus Christ. And so we're called to a life of humility of humbling ourselves before each other, of willing to, to sacrifice and do the things that God calls us to do, of doing the things that, that don't get the, the, the praise and the glory. Of, we're called to a life of obedience, of living a life of, of service to God, of doing the things that we don't understand, of, of doing those things that, uh, that, that we can't see how it moves the gospel message, but we are obedient to God nonetheless. Of self-sacrifice, of giving, when we would rather use resources and things that God has given us for ourselves, God calls us to a life of self-sacrifice, of self-denying, of giving of our services, of giving of ourselves. This is what God wants for us. To have the same attitude as Christ. Of living a life as Christ lived. As He demonstrated for us. I had a deacon one time in a church say to me, Well, Pastor, we're not perfect God can't expect us to live a perfect life. No, we're not perfect. But God expects us to strive to be holy, to live in righteousness, not to allow our imperfection to be an excuse to not try. Well, I can't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I'm never going to diet and I'm never going to try and exercise. No. By diet and exercise, I'll live a healthier life. I'll live a better life. And someday I might get good at it, at living a healthier and better life. But to just deny it is to live a life plagued by diabetes, heart disease, and all other problems that come with living an unhealthy life. 
Well, I can't, you can't be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't have the genetic makeup to be like him. Well, that doesn't mean I shouldn't try and do better. Likewise, we can't be perfect like God, but He calls us to strive to be like Him, to be like Christ, to be more like Him, to strive to be humble, to strive to be obedient, to strive to live a self-sacrificial life, of a life of self-denial, a life of giving. Why do we do this? That we might fulfill our joy of living like Christ, of being filled with love for others, of having a fellowship with the Spirit, of having mercy in our life, of being like-minded. All these attributes that Paul points out that the church needed to have in their life is gained by living like Christ. And we fulfill our purpose as Christians and as a church by being more like Christ. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels. Otherwise, we're just revving our motor. And we're not getting anywhere in the race. We're not getting anywhere closer to winning. We're not even in the game. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You would help us to be more like You, to living our life devoted to living more like Christ. It's not just a platitude, not just a, an attitude or a wishful thinking, but You told us exactly how we should live. Lord, help us to be humble before You, to submit to Your command in our life, to be obedient, to deny ourselves the things that we gain pleasure so that we might share Your love, be giving and self-denying, that we might fulfill Your purpose that we might find true joy in living for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.